0: Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and this week I'm interviewing Sarah Dunn to discover how she found her niche and how she's made a massive success of it too. But before we jump into her story I want to talk about websites. At some point in the near future I'm really keen to do a full redesign and update on my website. For the last 10 years now I've been using WordPress almost exclusively and whilst I love the features of WordPress, I decided to give Webflow a try, especially because I keep hearing people talking about online and I I like to check out new tools. So I signed up, it's free to try and I gave myself half a day to have a play around with it and uh, I was extremely impressed. uh, So much so that when I do update my website, I'm going to be doing it in Webflow and the same with any new client projects too. If someone comes to me for a website, I will very likely be doing it in Webflow just because I think it's amazing. I'm not a developer. I don't know any code and whilst I've designed hundreds of websites, I normally create all of the artwork in Photoshop and pass that over to a developer. But what I love about Webflow is that I can design anything I want easily and the code that comes out of it is really clean and nice and optimized for SEO. And um, within Webflow, you can add all of that SEO information as well. So uh, from my side of things, although there have been web builders in the past, I've never seen anything as good as this and I'm extremely impressed and will be using it on any future projects. If you're a designer like me, you don't know code and you want to start building websites the way that you want them to be, I highly recommend checking out Webflow. And to do that, head to logogeek.uk forward slash Webflow, and that's W-E-B-F-L. L O W. It's worth mentioning that that link is an affiliate link. So if you go to Webflow via that link, you will be helping to support the Logo Geek podcast at no extra cost to you. Again, that's logogeek.uk forward slash Webflow. So as mentioned this week, I'm interviewing Sarah Dunn. Sarah is someone I discovered on Twitter and I noticed she works on websites and SEO, but more importantly, I noticed that she's recently spent time niching down and she's documented her journey on the topic too. While she owns a successful agency, Eleven Web, two years ago she decided to niche down and Uh, started to work on offering SEO and online marketing services for wedding planners and two years later today she's made a massive success of it and I found her story really inspiring so I'm really excited that through this episode today she's sharing that story with us. In this episode, we discover how Sarah found her niche, how she then transitioned to be able to focus on that, how she uses content marketing to attract potential clients, and how she's developed systems and processes too, to make everything faster and easier ongoing. This is a really, really interesting episode, especially if you are thinking about niching down. So let's just jump straight into this. Here is the interview with Sarah Dunn. I'm really keen to speak to you about how you've been able to niche down and I understand that you've had a lot of success with that. But I think so that we can tell a story through this episode I'd like to ask you what was your situation prior to niching down and what was the reason why you chose to do that?
1: It wasn't something that I had really planned for my business forever it was kind of an evolution of my web agency so I ran a generalist web agency for about five years and it was mostly me leading all of the projects. And then I had a team of about four other people who would freelance and come in for web design, branding, graphic design projects, development. So it was really fun for me to do this type of work. But also, um, I kind of reached a point where I started feeling very bland. Um, it was about 2017 and I knew that what we were offering and how I was talking about it was pretty much the exact same way that everyone else was. You know, We provide great design solutions to move your business forward. Um, really bland and awful messaging like that that doesn't really help you stand out. So it just was a frustration in my marketing and the way that I was getting leads I was looking for new ways to bring in more projects I really enjoyed doing, and not just projects that I was really hustling for. Because I did a lot of local networking, I did a lot of local outreach, and I felt like every single project was something that I was working to get. I started learning more about online marketing, and you know, hearing a lot of advice. And people were always talking about email marketing and. Um, you know, just specializing so that you had something really interesting to share in content marketing. And I just knew I was so far away from that because I didn't even know who my ideal audience was. So I would say that was the situation in my small agency before I started to consider niching down in 2017.
0: I can totally relate with that. And and I'm sure a lot of listeners can too. I I think most of us um, include some kind of content on our websites that's somewhat generic and could pretty much live on any designer's website so it's definitely a good way to find a way to be a little bit more unique and I think niching down definitely does that yes Uh, I go to quite a few events now and I've seen other uh, graphic designers introduce themselves you know uh, talented uh, graphic designers but they're more generalists so when they introduce themselves they're saying things like I do graphic design I do branding websites uh, anything you need you know they they will um, pour out a list but it it's somewhat of an overload and so much so that a lot of the time the the conversation kind of dies out but in comparison because I specialize primarily in logo design when I'm asked what I do I literally just simply say I design logos love it and um, I find that starts a conversation
1: (laughs) and and don't you just feel like when you say I do logo design people know immediately what you're talking about and can dig in a little deeper rather than being overwhelmed by the laundry list of services
0: yeah and as well at those events it's like oh you're the logo guy (laughs) it it is funny how these things work so I understand um so I, I wanted to ask you how did you decide what you wanted to do in terms of a niche
1: oh Oh, isn't that the question? Um, (laughs) This was something that really took me a long time. And I honestly didn't think that it would take so long. So I started hearing about the idea of specializing and niching down and becoming a known expert at something really specific. I had heard that advice for months and maybe years before I decided it was something I really needed to do because I just, I didn't know how to go about it. It's a hard thing to do to make that decision about what very specific thing do I want to be known for. And prior to making this decision, most of the work that I had done was really broad. So I was working with dentists and mortgage companies and construction companies. And really the only thing that tied them all together was they were service-based businesses. But the problem with that was that they didn't identify as service-based businesses. They, they didn't you know, th- think about themselves in that category. So it wasn't a very useful thing for me to say, well, I do web design for service-based businesses because that doesn't paint a very clear picture in anyone's mind. So I did actually try that for a little while and that didn't really cause anyone to grasp on. It also didn't help me to market any more Uh, specifically. It didn't help me understand what networking events do I need to go to or what groups do I need to be involved with. It was still just too broad. So it was actually in uh, early 2017 that I sat in front of a camera in my office. I had reached a frustration point with being a generalist and not knowing what to do. And I recorded a video And I just talked about the frustrations that I had had with being a generalist and and why I was choosing to specialize. I just felt very lonely in that position. I felt like there were specialists out there and there were generalists. And the people that had become specialists never talked about how they had made that decision. So I said, you know what? I'm going to figure out what my niche is going to be and I am going to vlog about it. So I did, and I thought with that level of focus, doing a weekly video, even though it was generally really short, I said, I'm gonna do a weekly video and I think this is gonna propel me to finally find that niche and make that choice. Well, it took me, unfortunately, about eight months of weekly videos, (laughs) yes, before I really landed on something, Um, and that was in late 2017, so now I've been specializing for uh, over a year and a half, but it was not an easy process, and I'm so glad that I have that documentation of everything I tried, everything I went through, every book I read, every course I took, because it, it's such a good memory to know that this was really hard. And I hope if anyone else ever watches those videos, they recognize that just because I've figured out my specialty now doesn't mean it was an easy choice to make Um, because I know there's probably other people out there that have seen this. One of the things that really frustrated me in the beginning was when people would say, well, you know, I'm pretty much a specialist in this industry and it just kind of happened naturally. Like I got one project in this niche and then I got 10 more and then I decided that's all I was going to do. It was not that easy for me. so. My, my answer to how I decided what my niche would be was that I tried everything, um, read books, took courses, did all sorts of analysis and pros and cons and lists of my favorite projects. Um, and actually nothing worked for me until I went to a conference and I met a woman named Allie who was a wedding planner in Chicago. And she heard that I, you know, I did my pitch that I did web design and some search engine optimization and and graphic design. And she said, oh, you do search engine optimization? I said, yeah. And she said, well, I'm having trouble with the search engine rankings for a new website I just had created. Can you take a look at it? So I took a look at the site and I saw that her web designer had totally trashed her SEO, just knew nothing about it. And I worked with her to fix it. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had. I loved her. I loved the work. And it was kind of a light bulb moment where I said, you know what, I'm going to try to get a couple more projects like this and see if this is something I'd want to do every day. And it turned out it was.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. I, I love the idea of documenting it. So when you when you was doing those videos, was you just literally just going live and almost thinking through it to a live audience?
1: No, I actually pre recorded them every week and I tried to think of uh, an overlying topic of the week, something I had learned or something I had tried. I did a couple reviews of books that I read. So it wasn't exactly a stream of consciousness. Most of them had a topic, but I'm just was trying to cover something that I had discovered on my journey that week and most of them are just two to five minutes so real simple.
0: Mm, I'm keen to watch those so I'll I'll link to them in the show notes for this episode Um, but it's quite refreshing to hear that it it took you a lot of time and uh, also that you made a a conscious choice as to exactly what you wanted to focus on because I I know um, people that are now specialists and Uh, Like you said, they started out as generalists for for a number of years. Then they decided to focus once they'd done a a number of projects in that area. So um, it's interesting that you've taken a different approach. And uh, I'm really glad to hear that you found something that you've you've been enjoying. Yeah. Uh, So how long ago was that?
1: Uh, I guess it was almost two years ago now. So two years ago. Are you
0: you still happy that you made that choice? Are you still enjoying working on that type of project only?
1: Yes, I really am. (laughs) And yeah, it's been so interesting because I think I've heard at this point, a lot of objections to specializing, you know, since I've put out 60 videos about specializing, people are like, well, I think it would be really boring. And I think your creative audience probably feels like that to some degree. But What I've found is that I personally am fascinated by the idea of improvement and improved efficiency and improved results. And that's something that I just really want to be working towards. And I feel like I'm working towards much better by doing similar projects over and over. So every time I do one of these projects, I learn something new that I can apply to the project that I'm doing the next week. And for me, that's really satisfying more than just doing something completely new creatively. Um, Though I do understand that maybe not everyone's personality is that way. And I have talked to some people that are like, you know what, I'm really happy being a generalist. And to them, I say, you know, good for you. If you're happy doing that and getting all of the work that you want and getting the rates that make you happy, then that's probably a good place to stay. But it wasn't for me.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. Nicheing down has become a hot topic at the moment, but I know plenty of designers who are doing incredibly well being more of a, a generalist. So at least listeners will be aware that it's not the only road to success. Yes. Um. Anyway, going back to your story, you've now got to a point where you've made your mind up what your niche is going to be. I'd love to know what you did next. And more importantly, I'd love to know how you also made time for it. Uh, because personally, I find most of my time is dedicated to client work because that's what's making the money. So, you know, working on, um, you know, my website or anything else, it's hard to fit in time to do that. And I know that listeners will relate with my uh, concerns with that. So so what was it you did next and how did you also make time for that too?
1: Oh, yes, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I kind of viewed this possible niche as kind of a side gig. So it wasn't like I decided one day that, hey, I'm going to do SEO for the wedding industry and I'm going to cut off everything else I was doing before and totally refocus all of my time. It was kind of something that I pursued almost in extra hours. So we kept doing all of the same web design type projects and everything else that we were doing before. And I kind of pursued the wedding industry with some additional time. So I did spend a little bit of, of nights, um, you know, recording my videos, but then also I set up a entirely separate micro site is what I called it. That was just about my SEO services for the wedding industry. Um, so that's pretty much where I started was setting up that website and making all of the messaging about being a specialist in the wedding industry, doing SEO. And I, To get those initial projects, thankfully, the first person I worked with was really blown away with the results, and she was pretty well connected. And I said, is there anyone that you could refer me to? And she helped me get my next few projects. So that was really, really helpful that getting that work didn't actually take a ton of extra time. And I was quickly finding that when I was telling some other people that I was looking for this type of very specific work, it also was really easy for them to think of someone to refer me to. So I can think of one situation when I was talking to a friend of mine who also does SEO and I said, I did this great SEO project for a wedding planner and I want to do more of them. And she said, oh, great. I'm totally booked right now. And I just got an inquiry from someone in the wedding industry. So I'll just send them over to you. So it was an incredible experience to realize that just by declaring what kind of work I wanted to do that friends and clients were willing to help and So thankfully, it really didn't take that much time to kind of pursue this niche almost in secret on the side. And I knew that I could, at that early phase, totally shut it down if it didn't work. Just swipe that website off the internet and go back to what I was doing. So that was how I started. And I think that that would be something I would definitely recommend.
0: That's a really smart way to uh, approach this. I I particularly love that you ask your existing clients if they know anyone else i I don't think i would have thought to have done that but when you're specializing it's it's definitely a fantastic way to uh to tap into a network of of potential clients um on that note i i'd actually love to spend some time chatting with you about how you went about finding suitable clients i know you mentioned then about friends and family passing projects on But once you decided your niche, did you approach targeting clients in a different way than you did in your previous agency?
1: Yes, it's been very different in this business than prior. So my first few clients had to come from word of mouth because I had no name for myself in this industry yet. But once I decided to keep pursuing it, I started actively doing some things that I hadn't been able to do before. And one of those was actually effective content marketing. So Imagine, you know, if anyone is a generalist and has tried writing blog posts on their blog, I think you've probably found that they are so general and so bland that even you don't want to read them, or at least that's how I felt about mine. So I was writing really general things like, uh, you know, the three elements of a great website and blah, blah, blah. Um, Instead of doing that, I was now able to write articles with the actual client in mind because I was so specific. I was looking for someone in the wedding industry. I knew that person was usually female and more creative than tech savvy. And so I was able to write in a voice that was very approachable to them. And I knew the basic things that they should really know in order to start working on their own SEO. So Content marketing that was very focused is something that has brought me a lot of clients over the last year between social sharing and now um, the blog posts, a lot of them are ranking well on Google. So I'm bringing in for the first time actual leads from Google myself and getting clients from that. So that's definitely been a first and also the fact that this is so niche that it's, um, not a lot of people are doing what I'm doing. So there isn't a ton of SEO specialists for the wedding industry running around. So when someone in the wedding industry wants to put on a webinar or um, you know they've got a community of wedding professionals and they need someone to speak to them, The fact that I can say, hey, I do SEO for the wedding industry and I can put together a tailored talk for you or a guest post for your blog or something like that. It's been really easy for me to get that type of opportunity for uh, webinars, for other communities, for guest posts on other blogs. And that's another way that I've been able to market and increase exposure. So Um, Those are a few things that have brought me clients that have been totally different than my old methods of networking and personal connections and uh, just local type of outreach.
0: Hmm. I know content marketing would be the approach that I would personally take. And I know because you are targeting a specific niche, it's it's easy to work out what people will be searching for. I, I know that SEO is your speciality and I know graphic designers or you know the audience that would be listening to this probably won't even know where to start with that would you be willing to share any tips for the the listeners so that they could use content marketing effectively to attract potential customers in the way that you have
1: yeah I think The key, I think, as I mentioned already, is knowing who your audience is. So it really is hard to write blog posts or create content when you'll just, you know, make a flyer for anybody who contacts you um, and you're doing all sorts of different design projects. So. I honestly, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time over the first five years of my business when I was a generalist trying to do content marketing because it truly wasn't interesting to anyone. So I think the first element of effective content marketing is having some clear idea of who you're talking to. So that has nothing to do with SEO, but that's what really makes your articles interesting to read by the right people is if you can imagine you're writing them for one person and you're talking just to them, what language do they need? What details do they need? Um, Let me give you an example. I actually wrote a post that Got published today about how to set up Google Search Console. And everything that I read on the internet about how to set up Google Search Console was so technical and so awful, I didn't even want to read it. So I wrote my own, knowing that my audience is probably a wedding photographer and she just wants to get it set up and submit a sitemap and move on. So I just talked about how to get it set up, validated, and then I talked about the performance report and um, how to submit a sitemap. And that was it. And I ignored all the other features because I truly don't believe this audience needs them. So that's the type of thing that you're able to create once you know who your audience is. Then if you do know who your audience is, you can consider maybe what keywords they might be using in order to find you. Maybe somebody wants to specifically look for a logo designer for pet shops or something like that. So considering some more niche or interesting keywords that are very specific is probably the best way to go if you are doing SEO for the first time and you're more of a creative person. Think about what really targeted content you could create and then create a piece of content or a landing page around that. So a page on your site that's called Logo Design for Pet Shops and then detail everything you can do related to that niche. Make sure that that's the title of the po- of the post or the page that you're creating. Make sure you're using that phrase throughout the content. Um, and then make sure that you're sharing it on social media. It's hard to just jump into SEO um, without a plan and a little bit of keyword research. But the best thing is to think about those more specific keywords that might be less competitive and create a really good piece of content that that person who's searching for that phrase would be happy to find. So that's probably my very high level advice. I'd be happy to drill down if you've got any specific questions for me.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be great too. I, I think um, so. The first thing I, I wrote down was to do with you mentioned about your target audience. I know with you, you chose your your niche. How did you go about actually working out specifically who that target person was? Did you go through any kind of exercise or was it just a case of picturing who it is?
1: Yeah, you know, I had done a thousand exercises before I landed on the wedding industry. Um, and then I did do a couple more ac- exercises. There was a worksheet that I got somewhere that talked about defining the common problems and goals of your target market. And I thought that was really interesting because I did this after I had done maybe 10 SEO projects for the wedding industry. And I was able to realize that my best client in the wedding industry isn't someone who's just getting started. They need to have a website that's established. So they're an established business and Because they're well-known in their area, they're probably frustrated that they don't show up well on Google. And that is their main challenge that the right client comes to me with. Hey, I've been around for five years and I do great work, but all of these other competitors show up in front of me on Google. And so that is what my best clients come to me worried about. And that was something that I didn't realize until I went through that worksheet that was about... Um, those common challenges and goals that your target market has. So um, that is what I'd recommend for that.
0: Yeah, I think it's useful uh, to do that because I know generally a lot of graphic designers, and I, to be honest, I do this as well. When you think of your target audience, you, you start to think a oh, small business owner or entrepreneur to start in their business. Um, I can't remember who said it, but I heard someone say recently that rather than thinking about targeting small business owners you need to start thinking about (laughs) you know you want to target uh Janet she's a photographer she's been doing it for 10 years she works from home Uh, she has a family but she's been getting frustrated that she's not getting enough traffic to her website and stuff like that so I think it's good to start to think more specific about the type of person that you are targeting because like you said if you know what their problems and challenges are you can write interesting content around that and you can write it tailored towards them so it's not technical like you said when you're writing about keyword research you can do it in a way so that is fun and interesting for that specific person
1: Yes, that's actually one of the best pieces of advice that I got was to imagine the one person you're writing your article for or creating your content for, whether that's a video or a podcast episode or something else. If you can imagine as if you are writing it in an email to that person, that's going to really help with your tone of voice and your confidence. And actually, I write a lot of my posts with my friend Tessa in mind, and she is a wedding photographer in Ohio. And she is someone that I do a lot of SEO work for. So I imagine, how would I explain this to Tessa specifically if she asked me about keywords or Google Search Console or something else? So that can be really helpful as you're creating things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's really good advice. and it, it, It's got me thinking I, I probably need to be a bit more specific in in what i'm doing because i know um you know once you have worked out who that target audience is you can work out where they're spending their time you know if they're in groups on facebook or if they are listening to podcasts or if yes. they are listening to podcasts maybe you can create a podcast that is about um wedding seo or something <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sure, it'd probably be terribly boring, <laughs> but that certainly could be.
0: But you can make, I, in my you can industry, make a fun yeah, one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it, in, so what I've discovered it, in my industry, nobody's on LinkedIn and everyone spends all their time on Instagram. So because I mm. know that about my target customer, I know where I can spend my time and energy and what's going to be worthwhile for me. So I get to say, forget it to, to LinkedIn and make sure to engage a lot on Instagram. And that's where my time is best spent.
0: Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So, in terms of your social media strategy, you, you are you literally spending most of your time on Instagram because you're aware that's where your um, customer is hanging out.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I just want to take a short break to tell you a little about something I've been working on that I'm really excited about. It's called the Logo Designers Box Set, six eBooks designed to help you through the logo design process from what tools you need, how to create a logo design brief, how to come up with ideas, how you present your work to clients, what files you need to prepare, and how you also find clients of your own too. These six eBooks are totally free to download and you can find them by heading to boxset.logogeek.uk and by downloading them you'll also be signed up to my email newsletter where I'll keep you up to date with all the latest podcast and content that I'm creating so I hope that you'll sign up and find that uh, box set really useful again that's Uk. now let's get back to the interview um so going back to the SEO stuff you mentioned about doing keyword research would you mind Going a little bit more into detail about how you'd work out what these keywords would be that you need to use within your content.
1: Yes. So I've got a keyword research process that I like to use and it always starts with brainstorming. So I like to sit down in front of a spreadsheet. I personally like spreadsheets. It's also really inter- it's also really um, easy to work with once you have a list of keywords. So I like sitting down in front of a spreadsheet and I start by brainstorming. What are those phrases that if people were searching for them, I would love to show up for? So for me, that's SEO for wedding planners, SEO for wedding photographers, um, SEO for the wedding industry. Those types of phrases are the easy ones off the top of my head that come right to mind. So I would recommend that. Sit down with your spreadsheet, type in what are those phrases that are really relevant to the services you offer. And then think a little bit more about what are some of the common questions that you get or common problems that people come to you with that might indicate to you what are some things people would be searching for an answer to that you would have a great answer for. So um, for me, I've heard people over and over say, I don't have enough blog post ideas. I don't know what to blog about. So I wrote a blog post called uh, 11 Wedding Planner Blog Post Ideas. And that brings me pretty good traffic now. Um, So think about some of those things. What are those questions? I wrote another one called, what should I name my images for SEO? And that one is the most popular blog post on my site. So that one's not bringing in always industry-specific traffic, but I have actually gotten work from that post from someone that landed on it and saw that I was a wedding-specific SEO person. So, um, So step two is kind of thinking about those questions and common concerns. So kind of keep going on your spreadsheet, add a question or a concern or a phrase that comes up in each cell, and then take a look around your own website. You actually might be surprised when you look at your own website what keyword phrases you see there. So what phrases have you used to describe your services? Maybe it's logo design. Maybe it's logo design for small business. Maybe it's logo design for pet shops. Take a look. See what those phrases are that describe what you do that you may not have thought of as keywords. And once you've got a good list going, you could even go over to your competitor site. What phrases are they using? What are the pages on their site called? Um, You might look at sites that are well-optimized and seem to show up on Google for the phrases you'd like to and see what kind of words they're using. So once you've got a good list, I like to run them through a tool. Um, There's one that I really like. It's called KW Finder, and they do offer a free trial. So this tool, if you import your list of keywords, will actually tell you how many times per month people are searching for those things. And that's really important if you're really trying to do SEO and you're going to spend some time and investment here because you don't want to be working to optimize for phrases that no one searches for. So um, for me, no one's really searching for SEO for wedding florists. For whatever reason, florists aren't really into SEO. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, making sure that my website ranks for that because nobody's searching for it. So if you use a tool, make sure that you're looking for the keyword volume, how many times a month are someone actually searching for it, and KW Finder will give you an idea of the competition as well. So it gives you a competition score out of 100 and you can see what might be some easier ones to try to rank for to start with. So Um, that's my keyword research
0: that's amazing thank you Uh, so for listeners what i'll do is make sure to include links to those tours in the show notes so that they'll be easier to find um so do you mind if i dig into this a little bit more not at all okay thank you so you got to a point where you've you worked out the keywords you want to rank for you checked if they will be worth targeting as you know the search volume in terms of applying that knowledge to the content Do you have any advice for how you would use those keywords in the content you're creating? Yes,
1: definitely. So what's important to keep in mind about SEO is that Google's not ranking sites overall. They're looking for the one page on the internet that best serves the searcher's query. So the one that is the best result for what someone's searching for. So what you need to do when you're thinking about creating a piece of content to target a keyword is that you need to think about what kind of thing is someone looking for when they type in this phrase on Google. Uh, that's something that we call searcher intent. So what does the searcher intend, what they're looking for when they're searching for this? If they're searching for logo design for pet shops, they're probably looking for someone that can do that for them or some sort of tool that can do that um, and create that for them. They're not looking for maybe a step-by-step how-to article, but if they're searching for pet um, I can only think of examples from my site. Um, You know, what do I name my images for SEO? They're probably just looking for a helpful article. They're not looking for someone to hire. So for that type of search, I tend to write a helpful blog post on my site. And for things that are more service-related, like logo design for pet shops, I would create a page on the site that was about that service. So make sure the piece of content you're creating is all about that one keyword. And make sure that you're using that phrase in the title, in the first paragraph of that piece of content, and uh, possibly throughout. So it's really doing a good job answering that searcher's question. And unfortunately, um, creative people aren't going to like this very much, but it does take a lot of written words on a page to get something to rank on Google because Google likes seeing really authoritative information that's really helpful and that tends to mean long. So 500, 1000, 1500 or more words, which is a lot. I know, don't don't tackle me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I know most designers don't like writing or struggle with it, but I I think it's worth saying that Um, if you're making an income from your work it's worth paying somebody to write that content for you that's what I do a lot of the time now especially when I'm busy I I don't always have time to write and I found copywriters to be not as expensive as you think Um, something like a thousand words that would take me like an entire day to put together A copywriter, because it's their specialism, they can put that content together in a few hours. So, you know, for a blog, you only really need to pay them for a few hours. And uh, so, a lot of copywriters are really um, affordable for that reason. Uh, One issue I do face uh, that, well, that all designers face, and I'm sure you do with SEO too, and that's uh, graphic design can be quite a specialist topic. So, it is hard for um, a non-designer to to write that content properly uh, but to get around that what I tend to do for them is write a few bullet points of things that I like to be included in uh, that content and I'll link to any resources that I can find that's relevant so that they can read through that as well and then that just gives them something to work on you know so that they get it right first time and yes. um, you know content that's already written is easy uh, to tweak I find it much much easier to tweak something than start from scratch, um, because well, content is just so important, so important, especially if you want to uh, rank well on Google. Yes. Uh, I know I wouldn't be worrying now if I didn't work on my SEO ongoing.
1: Oh, I love it! That's good to know.
0: Yeah, I've um, I was quite lucky because I've, I've been working for a web design agency for the last like ten years now, and uh, within the agency, we have an SEO team. And because I am uh, the creator director for the company, I've needed to do a lot of the marketing stuff. Yeah. And you just pick, you pick stuff up along the way. And uh, I've been able to rank my website uh, for the generic term logo design. Wow. So I'm constantly juggling between page one and page two. It's hard because you're competing with... um, You know, agencies and companies that just have lots and lots of resources. It's hard to compete.
1: Yes. That that's a huge accomplishment. That's actually something that I would recommend people never go after, those very big general phrases, because it's gonna take a really long time. It's gonna take a lot of content and a lot of authority. That's why I've had a lot more success with these niche type phrases. I'm not trying to rank for search engine optimization, which would be nearly impossible, but there aren't a lot of people trying to optimize for SEO for wedding planners. So that's been a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that that's why I think niching down is really good. Um, it's not only easier to get those results, but it's faster too, and uh, it's it's and uh, I think it's one of the main advantages uh, that you can get. And I think it's one of the main advantages because you can get really granular with your target with your target keywords. I I know personally, whilst I've not niched down my target audience in the way that you have, um, although logo design is technically still a niche, I, I found I've been able to target local search so i come up position one for yeah, logo definitely. design manchester so i appreciate you mentioning the long tail keywords it's significantly much easier to rank for SEA for wedding planners as it is just for seo uh, plus i think in those cases they have more of an intent to buy too so it'd be better off for you long term anyway um so i'm expecting there to be people listening to you. Uh, this now that think well, wow, this sounds great and we'll want to start niching down like you have what advice can you give to those who want to do the same thing but are, but are at the stage where you was two years ago where you wasn't sure what you wanted to do
1: you know it's so hard to start deciding that you want to niche down and then figure out what to do next so my best advice is to really pay attention to which projects make you excited what which ones do you dread and which ones would you love to do more of and just see if you can identify any common factors within those projects that was one of the first things that i did and also to realize that you might find a niche that's not something you have a ton of experience in right now so i want to encourage anyone i had done all of one project that was seo for the wedding industry before i said i need to do more of this so I had a diverse background of experience, but in this niche, it wasn't like I had somehow done 10 projects in this already, but I decided to mindfully pursue more projects that were similar because I wanted to explore if I would love them all just as much. So I think it's a really gradual process, much more gradual than people might think if they do decide to niche down. It's not like oh man, I've done five websites for accounting firms and I've just decided that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to change my whole website and that's all I'm going to market anymore. And I'm making that change between today and tomorrow. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be something that's more experimental. So Keep your general site exactly the way it is. Consider just starting with a landing page on that site that's about a niche service and see if you can get it to rank on Google or Make it something that's really authoritative and helpful for that type of client you think you want to work with more. And, you know, pass that off. Do some outreach to people and send them that landing page that explains your niche service. That's a great way to test something out. And it doesn't have to be a huge decision, a huge life decision where you quit doing the rest of your business and start doing this new thing. So just pay attention to the type of work that you might want to do. I think it's also important to note that I'm not, the more people I talk to about niching down, the more I realize I don't think it's for everyone. I think some people just love variety in their creative process and. There are some downsides that come to being a generalist, but maybe the upside of getting to do something different, totally different every day outweighs that for you. And I think that's fine too. I just know I have loved the fact that leads come in easier. My services are now productized so I can scope them out. I don't have to do custom proposals anymore. Uh, My sales process is much shorter. I appreciate all of those trade-offs more than... uh, a totally different work style every day. So there are trade-offs and benefits, and you just have to figure out if it seems right for your personality.
0: I find it interesting what you mentioned then about um, not necessarily having experience in the area, because I'm the the same now. I'm in a position where I'm ranking well on Google for logo design. I've done loads of logo design projects. I built a community, built a podcast, and I. I would describe myself as an expert now, but when I started, I'd done maybe like five logo designs. They wasn't very good. I didn't know what I was doing. I did get to a point where I got fed up of doing logo designs, but one thing that I've been able to do is diversify. So I have a podcast that makes an income, I have a community around logo design that generates an income, and you can really mix things up because you can still do other things that are related to that niche and build around it and um, I've I don't know if you're the same but personally I found the more I've invested time in a topic it then does become even more of a, a passion as you keep going.
1: Definitely. And you get really immersed in that whole community around whatever your thing is. So I get to watch what's the news in the wedding industry and what's the news in SEO and how does one affect the other in a way that I can provide a really unique perspective. So I I love getting to be a geek about things a little bit and being in there so deep that you might notice connections that nobody else does. Um, And I love what you said about, you know, Your work may not be as varied or the actual product that you're producing, but the different types of things that you can do can bring you that variety. So I find myself now, I'm doing, yes, a lot of SEO projects, but I've also kind of Systematize the process enough that the parts of the process I don't like very much, I can, I've actually outsourced to someone else on my team. And I just get to do the really interesting analysis pieces. And I'm also much more involved in leading webinars and paid speaking opportunities and a variety of other things. So what I'm doing is still pretty varied, even though the topic is pretty specific.
0: That's really great to hear. And and you're a a great example of how to do it right. Um, Now, I'm keen to dig a little bit more into something you said then about productizing your services and systemizing too. It's something I've been able to do, but can I ask you how you've gone about productizing your services?
1: Yes. So one of my goals in niching down was I really hated writing custom proposals. And every time I did a website project, it pretty much required a custom proposal. And it was a long process and I had to write it up, which was usually 10 o'clock at night the day before it was due. And then we had to, you know, go back and forth about what was going to be included. And that was one of my least favorite parts of my job. So I said, if I'm going to specialize, I want to come up with a couple services that Those are what I offer, and I do them over and over again and kind of develop a process around how those work. So I now offer just two different services to the wedding industry. I have a roadmap. um, I call the SEO roadmap. So it's basically an SEO audit and plan that the client implements themselves. And then I have something I call the SEO intensive, which is a three-month project where I take over the client's website and SEO and implement my plan for them. And that's really it. Occasionally, I do work with a client on an ongoing basis, or I might add in something a little bit custom. But that's definitely the exception and not the usual case. So I've been able to say, okay, I know exactly how long an SEO roadmap takes me. I know that I can handle one of those a week, and I'm much better handling my schedule now because I know that I can start and finish one of these projects in a week and move on to the next one the following week. And so this is the first time ever that I'm able to look at my calendar and say, you know what, I'm booked six weeks out. My next available start date is seven weeks from now because I have this productized service and I know how long it will take. So um, that's kind of... What I meant by productizing and by systems, you know, I figured out the steps that are required to execute that project. Um, I've got a spreadsheet, and my um, assistant will go through and fill out about half of the audit spreadsheet for me of um, fairly easy and repeatable things. So, because I'm doing the same type of work every week, it's really easy for me to say, okay, I figured out how this works. Let me just create a screencast video of how to find this information and then I hand it off to her and she does a great job with it. So those are the types of systems that I was not able to create when I was just doing custom web design projects because every one that I did was different and so I wasn't able to really take advantage of that efficiency and scale.
0: Yeah. I I think it's really interesting that you've spoken about this and and I can relate with it a lot with what I'm doing because uh, when you are offering just one or two services, you can write template emails and like you said, you know exactly how long things take so you can schedule it in your diary and I'm sure you're the same, like everything that I do has template documents, Yes. you know, if, if someone gets in touch and they want a quote, I've got that all templated so I can just take my template email, tweak it take that template contract tweak it send it over and you know that can be done within 10 minutes but if someone came to me and wanted a uh, like a bespoke website okay I have done that before but it would be so much more involved I'd have to write yes. that that proposal from scratch and I'd have to write all of my emails from scratch and something you know that's taking me 10 minutes now with a process would take two three hours and you know when you're yes. a one person business that's hard to do um and also I like what you mentioned about systematized I read a book called the e-myth revisited and um, yes it speaks about working on your business not in your business so I like that you're creating processes and systems so that uh one day you could potentially sell your business because you've got the processes and everything in place uh, but more importantly you can bring in people that can just take those processes that you put together and they can take them and run with what you've done so I, I think it's good what you're doing and you know considering that you've only been doing it for nearly two years it sounds yes. like you're doing incredibly well
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's been really exciting and um yeah I don't know if the future holds a sale of the company since I named the website Sarah <laughs> yeah, does <SEO>. But, you know, you never know where it's going to go. And it certainly um, has a larger audience than my generalist web agency ever did. So um, that's definitely more of an option than it was before, for sure. So I agree.
0: Yeah, I think to wrap up the interview, I want to ask you uh, one last question. So two years ago, you made this choice to niche down. You you had, I'm going to assume it was a successful agency and everything was going well but you've gone through this process of deciding to niche down, you know, you did it, treated it as a side gig, you built up authority around it, and now you're at a stage where, you know, you have a successful business where you do have, um, where you basically built what you what you intended to do. Now that you've done that, do you feel it was the right thing? Do you feel that it's being successful? Do you earn more money now? You know, like what are the benefits to going through that process like you have.
1: Yeah, well, I love your summary of that. And I should point out that I tried um, two separate specialties that didn't work. I did a really short stint um, trying to do Facebook ads for chiropractors, uh, which I really didn't enjoy all that much. Um, And that was over pretty quickly. And that I actually tried before I started recording the videos. Um, So it was definitely not a you decided what to do and made it successful. There were definitely some bumps in that road. but it's it's definitely something I'm so glad that I did, and what I found, um, I'm actually making about the same amount of money personally, and I've actually shrunk my staff. So from the outside, there have been some struggles from just like an ego and emotional level. You know, I always equated the number of people I was working with to the size of my business and the size of my success. So. That's been something that I've been struggling with. Um, I found I didn't really need to have a designer on staff since I'm doing so much SEO work and mostly just need a couple of assistants on support and getting our projects moving. So, um, but what I found is that I have much less stress. I'm doing much more work that I really enjoy doing. And I don't feel like I'm just project managing all the time. I feel like I'm really getting in the weeds and doing projects that I really enjoy doing. And also I'm having a lot of different successes than I had before in a way that's really keeping me engaged. So I'm really enjoying leading webinars and um, doing speaking gigs and being a little bit more visible than I ever was just in my local area. So it's been a really good shift for me um just in lifestyle and enjoying the work and marketing myself in a different way and learning some new things. So I have definitely enjoyed this for me and I know it was the right choice for sure.
0: I'm so glad to hear that you made a success of everything. I think your story is really inspiring. So thank you for coming on and and for sharing your story with us. I am really glad that I reached out to you in the end.
1: Great. Thank you, Ian. I'm so glad you reached out too.
0: What an amazing story. Sarah, thank you so much for your time and for being so transparent. It's a brilliant episode. To learn more about Sarah, be sure to head over to her website, sarah-dunn.com. And Sarah is spelled S-A-R-A and uh, Dunn is d-u-n-n so sarah-done.com and from there you'll find her social profiles videos and more her story's been inspiring so far so be sure to follow along and see what she does next i'm keen to do that myself alternatively find links to sarah's website and anything else discussed in this interview in the show notes and you can find those by visiting logogeek.uk forward slash 5.4 now, I'm keen to know if you listened to this and thought about working on a niche. If so, let's chat about it. You can find me on Twitter at logo underscore geek or in the Facebook group logogeek.uk forward slash community. Or if you like to brainstorm ideas with me in group video calls, Join the Logo Geek Plus community and you can learn more about that by heading to community.logogeek.uk. I'm really loving the community call so I'd love to see you there and to get to know you in the process um, because there is a cost to uh, setting up maintaining and uh, it takes time to set everything up there is a cost to join Logo Geek Plus but I try to keep it really cost effective so that as many people can join as possible so it's only $10 to join and uh, the conversations that we have they're all recorded so we can have a library of everything that we've done so far and we've had a few guests come in who have shared their process most recently david airy from logo design love so if you'd like to watch that which i can't recommend enough it's a really interesting conversation with him uh join the logo geek plus community again that's community.logogeek.uk so that is it for this week if you're enjoying the podcast so far let me know by writing a review on itunes i'd love to hear feedback and to know someone out there is listening so if you've got a few minutes and you've been enjoying the show i'd very much appreciate a review on itunes so thanks for listening and i will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the logo geek podcast